This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to Worth Recovery, a podcast featuring women and sex addiction. I'm Amy. I'm your host here and the founder of Worth Recovery. I'm a sex addict, and I have been sober since December 2nd of 2012. So we're getting into my favorite time of the year, fall. Now, maybe you're not listening to this during the fall season, and that's totally cool, but it is turning into the fall season, which is my very most favorite time of the year. These are the what I call the burr months, right? Like September, October, November, December. Not that they're cold, just that, you know, they end in the burr. I'm a little weird like that. It's all good. So when when this happens, though, when it turns fall, I seem to get really reflective. I think about what I've done this year, what I've accomplished. I think about what I still want to get done. I still have about four months What do I still want to get done this year? And whenever I get reflective, I also think about what I'm grateful for in my life. Fall seems to always do that for me. It's the season of gratitude. So from now until the end of the year, I just want to add a grateful moment to the rest of my podcast this year. Now, if you're listening, like I said, outside of the Burr months, no worries. You can just be grateful whatever time of year it is for you, which is awesome because it's never bad to be grateful. So today, my grateful moment is this. I am grateful for information. I'm grateful for answers and especially I'm grateful for names of things. I've been dealing with some things in my life and the last week I've finally been able to put a name to some of those things. And it is amazing to me how much power there is in having a name for something until I actually have a name for the problem I'm dealing with or for the emotion that I'm feeling or for that gut-wrenching feeling that I've got going on, to have a name for what causes that, all of a sudden, the power that that thing had in my life is gone. Usually, until I can name it, it feels just large and it's overshadowing, it's ominous. Is that that right? Yeah, that's the right word. It's just this large thing that I can't really define. And it feels like it has a lot of power over me. But as soon as I have a name for it, it's like that power disappears. And all of a sudden, I can handle what's going on. So I'm just grateful for that. I'm grateful for names and for information. I'm grateful to be able to take back that power in my life once I have a name for something. So that's my grateful moment today. I hope that you can think of one thing that you're grateful for today and try to be specific, not just general like I'm grateful for my family, though I really hope you are grateful for your family, but try to think of something specific in your life that you're grateful for that has helped you along the path of recovery. We're going to do this every episode until from now until the end of the year. So hopefully you'll have a few months of just some really great gratitude going on in your life. So, okay, this is episode 61, and this is the continuation of our deep dive into the 12 steps of recovery. Now, working on these podcasts and sharing them with you, sharing my thoughts and my ideas around the steps has really done amazing things for my personal recovery. 
It has helped me examine myself and see what more I need to work on and what steps I need to work on a little bit more in my life. And I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful for that opportunity that I've had. Now, recently I saw Shrek the musical. If you haven't seen it, it's kind of hilarious. But um, it just reminded me like ogres are like onions, right? Well, so is recovery. <laughs> we seem to peel off the outside layers and we see what's underneath and you just kind of keep doing that. And sometimes it feels raw and vulnerable. It makes you cry. Onions make me cry every time I pull off that outside layer. But eventually you adjust and you learn what you need to learn from that layer. And then you pull off another one. It's just like that. Recovery's like that. The steps are like that. And I've just decided that it's going to be okay. And it's going to be like that probably the rest of my life. And I'm going to be okay with that. Anyway, we're going to approach this step a little bit different than we have in the past. With the previous steps, we've always kind of discussed the principles in each step, and then we've discussed how to work it in our lives. This time around, I want to go backwards. I want to discuss in this first episode about step eight, episode 61, I want to discuss how we work step eight in our lives. And then we'll talk for the rather three episodes about the principles that are behind this step in our lives. And the reason I want to do it that way is because that was my lived experience. I didn't read this step and then instantly have ideas about principles that I needed to apply in my life. It was actually through working this step that the principles came to be in my life. And so that's how we're going to work these episodes. Now, before we jump in too far, let me just remind you of two things really quickly. First, our Worth Recovery event in January is just a few months away. We already have so many signed up. I really am so excited. I've been speaking with our presenters and I'm excited about what's happening. So get on the website, learn all about it. It's at worthrecovery.com, www.worthrecovery.com. Get your ticket before December 1st so you can take advantage of the early bird pricing. That's all ready for you um, at the website. Now, I was just speaking with Jackie Pack, who's one of our presenters. She's going to be speaking about boundary essentials. And I was just speaking with her last night a little bit and... Um, I'm really excited about some of her ideas and some of the things that she is going to be sharing with us. We were talking about boundaries in general and just some ideas about things. And, uh, and I'm just really grateful for her and her thoughts. I know that she's going to have amazing information about boundaries. So if boundaries is an area that you struggle with in your life, you want to be at this event in January. January 21st, 2017. It's going to be here in Salt Lake City, Utah. I say here because that's where I live and that's where I'm recording this. So I'm excited about that. I hope that you're going to be able to join us. Also, I just want to give a big shout out to our Worth Warriors. Thank you for your support, especially for our newest Worth Warrior, Shelly. Super excited to have you join us. It's because of the Worth Warriors that we can keep this podcast free for all of you listening. It's highly important to me that when a woman reaches out in sex addiction and reaches out for help, that she has another woman to connect with. Too many of us find ourselves isolated and alone when we enter recovery. I know that was part of my experience, and I've it's part of the experience of many women that I talk to. But you can be part of providing that connection and the voice of a woman 
for those that are reaching out for help by becoming a Worth Warrior. With as little as $4 a month, that's less than 50 cents an episode, you can support other women in recovery. The other thing that you can do is to share this podcast. Do you have someone that you think might benefit? Another woman in recovery? Maybe they're not in recovery for sex addiction. Maybe they're in recovery for something else. I've had a number of women reach out recently who are enjoying the podcast and feel like they really relate to what I have to say, but they're not sex addicts or they don't consider themselves sex addicts. And that's totally fine. They probably relate to what I have to say because there are other issues in my life, other addictions in my life that I'm also working on. And so, and because of the varied experiences that I have, maybe they're relating to something like something else, not just my sex addiction. That's totally awesome. If you know someone in recovery or you know someone who might benefit from these podcasts, share it, share it with them, help them find the support that they need. Share your favorite episode and maybe what you learned. As we continue to reach out to other women in recovery, no matter what they're in recovery for, we continue to strengthen our own recovery. I believe, I know that's true, not just believe it. That's been my experience in my life. So all of the information for our upcoming event and for the Worth Warriors can be found on the Worth Recovery website, worthrecovery.com, www.worthrecovery.com. Okay, let's jump back into step eight now. So, made step eight reads, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Now, like I explained earlier, we're going to work these steps a little backwards from how we've done it in the past. I'm approaching it this way because this was my lived experience. Until I actually started working step eight, the principles behind it were kind of lost on me. It wasn't until I worked on becoming willing that I understood what was in the way of becoming willing. It wasn't until I actually started looking at this list that I have of the harms that I have done that I started to really see the principles behind this step. So today we're going to discuss how I worked step eight in my life. By working step eight, three major principles were revealed to me. After we discuss how to work it, I will explain these principles just a little bit, and then we're going to take the next three episodes to explore each of these principles in much, much deeper detail because they warrant that much exploration. Even if you're not working step eight, these are valuable principles to think and learn about in our lives. So step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. So first, obviously, we have to have a list, right? Made a list of all persons that we had harmed. Now, we started this list in step four. In step four, when we looked at our inventory, one of the lists that we created was this list of harms done. And we start there. Now, since that time, other names may have come to mind as we review this list. No worries. We just add them to the list. That doesn't mean that you didn't work a thorough step four. It just means that we're human and we forget about things. Or it might mean that you didn't really recognize the harm that you had done in that moment when you were working step four. And that's totally fine too. As we come to mind, we add them to the list and we don't beat ourselves up about it. Okay? So if you missed them the first time around, no worries. You just add it to the list and we don't beat ourselves up about it. It is important here that we are thorough and really try to think of the harms we have done. The SAA Green Book does a great job describing the harms we may have done to others. This comes from page 46 of the SAA book. 
Quote, the harm we have done to others may take many forms. We may have harmed people sexually or physically or hurt them verbally or emotionally. Harm may have resulted from our actions or from what we failed to do. I love that line. Harm may have resulted from our actions or from what we failed to do. The degree of harm could vary from our being inconsiderate or neglectful to outright abuse. We list anyone we have harmed in any of these ways. Close quote. It is usually easy to think of the harm we cause during our acting out through our addiction and we add them to the list. That was the easy list for me. Those that I harmed during my addiction or as a result of my acting out, I could do that. That was easy. More difficult to think about are the other harms that we have caused through our character defects. With our character defects freshly on our minds from working steps six and seven, we look carefully at those who have been harmed through acting out on these defects. Again, from the SAA Green Book, describes this really well as well. Page 46 again, quote, We also list those who have been harmed by our dishonesty, our self-centered attitudes, or other behaviors that arose from our character defects. We may have lied or made false promises to people, even to those we felt closest to. We may have been critical, impatient, argumentative, judgmental, financially irresponsible, vengeful, or mean. We also list people we harmed by our neglect, by not showing up for our lives. Perhaps we were too busy for family or friends, missed important events, were preoccupied, withdrawn, isolated, or uninvolved in our work, or completely abandoned our families or loved ones. Close quote. That's a little harder to swallow. That's a little harder list for me. With my character defects, again, fresh on my mind, I knew that there were people who needed to be added to this list that I hadn't thought about before. People that were affected by my not showing up, People that were neglected, people that tried to reach out to me when I was preoccupied, withdrawn, or isolated, and I ignored them. Also, I recognized that there were more people at work that needed to be on that list. It was a much harder list to think about, those that I had harmed through my character defects. But I added them to the list. And I didn't beat myself up about it. I didn't lament how long the list was. I didn't doubt my fourth step work. I just added to them I just added them to the list and I moved on. Now, once I had my list, my sponsor had me categorize this list into four categories. Now the first one was my family, any family members that were on the list. The second one was my long-term relationships or friends. So anyone that had been in my life for a longer period of time, that was category two. Category three was the short-term acquaintances slash one-night stands. Those that were not in my life for very long, but that I had harmed. And fourth were organizations. Organizations or institutions, sometimes employers, things like that, that I had caused harm. So those were my four categories. Family was number one. Long-term relationships and friends were number two. Number three were short-term acquaintances and one-night stands. And number four were organizations. Everything fit into those four categories. If you don't know where it belongs, just ask your sponsor or another person in recovery. Sometimes we're too close to things and we can't quite make sense of it all or we don't know how to categorize it. And that's fine. Just get some help if you need it. No big deal. Honestly, I kind of thought this categorization part was weird at first. I wasn't sure why I needed to do it. 
But it became very clear as I went along. It was actually really helpful. And you'll see that as you work through these lists too. It was helpful for me in a couple ways as I started to get willing to make amends. I found that those in category four, like institutions, I was much more willing to make amends with. And just kind of having those categories really helped. And we'll explain that as we go through these next four episodes as well. Now that you have your list and you've categorized your list, now we start the process of becoming willing, right? So the step says, made a list of all persons we had harmed. We did that now. And we become willing to make amends to them all. So this second part of this step, working the second part of becoming willing. Now, in order to become willing, my sponsor had me write a letter of amends to every single person on the list. She told me to write them as if I was actually going to send each letter, though in reality, that would not happen. (laughs) These letters were a practice run. They were how I became willing to make amends. She gave me kind of a form letter to start with and told me I could I could make it my own a little bit and adjust it as needed. The form letter just said, Dear blank, I have joined a 12-step recovery group and as part of my recovery, I've taken an inventory of the harms I caused you. These are the harms I can remember that I have caused. And then you list them one by one and you be specific as possible. At the end, once you've done your list, you ask, Are there any others that you can remember? I was wrong and hope you can forgive me. Is there anything I can do to set this matter straight? And then I sign the letter. Sincerely, Amy. Now, that letter felt way too stiff for me and was not what I wanted to say. One of the very first things I had to get over was just stating that I was in a 12-step recovery group. I had a lot, a lot of issues with that. And finally, and then I just kind of went through that letter and kind of had to make it my own. So I have one of the actual letters that I wrote to an acting out partner whose name was Evan. I'm going to read this letter to you so you have an idea of how specific I was about the harms that I caused and you can kind of hear how the letter went together. So it says, Dear Evan, I've taken some time recently to reflect on my life. As part of my efforts to improve my life and the person I am becoming, I realize that there are some things that I have done that I'm not proud of and may have caused you harm and I would like to make an amends. These are the harms I can remember that I have caused. I objected you while having continued phone sex. I flirted and led you on when I had no intention of following through on any of that. I found out where you lived based on the clues that you gave me and stalked your home. I lied to you about my appearance. I lied to you about a variety of other things in my life, including my commitment to my religion, my family, my friends, and other aspects of my life. I hurt your feelings and betrayed your trust and lied to you about the nature of our relationship. Are there any other harms I have caused that you remember? I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Is there anything I can do to set this matter straight? Thank you. Amy. That hurts, right? It's a little shocking to me reading it again, actually. Those are some major things that I have done. Lying, objectification, flirting, stalking, hurting people. I wrote a letter like this to each person on my list. And my list wasn't small, guys. It was long. And I wrote a letter like this to each person. And in writing these letters, in the process of writing these letters, I learned what this step is all about. The first principle I learned about was ownership. I wanted to make excuses. 
I wanted to put context around all the things that I did. I wanted to say things like, I did this because blah, 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 whatever it is, right? Sometimes it was, I did this because you did that. I wanted to kind of show them where they were wrong and where they owe me an amends. But my wonderful sponsor wouldn't let me do that. She wouldn't let me provide any context or make any excuses or justification or rationalizations at all. She helped me take complete ownership of the harms that I had caused. That was difficult for me. I felt most of my acting out was done because other people hurt me. And it was kind of a tit for tat or a lashing out of sorts, right? I felt hurt and harmed. And so I hurt and harmed others. My first therapist used to always tell me hurt people hurt people, right? So when I'm hurting, I hurt other people, hurt people, hurt people. And one of the things that this step really helped me understand was ownership, was taking complete ownership for the harm that I had done, whether the other person took ownership of theirs or not. It wasn't about them. It was about me. It was about me taking ownership and making an amends. I was really grateful for that. It was hard. I had to write a couple different drafts for some of these letters. And she would point out where it was that I was trying to excuse myself or make amends. I got better at it as I went along where I wouldn't do that at all. But I was grateful for that opportunity to learn about ownership. The second principle I learned about was letting go. In becoming willing to make amends, I also had to be willing to let go of several different things. I had to let go of the outcome. I was so worried about what they would say and how they would react and what would happen that I was just almost paralyzed in writing some of these letters. And I had to learn to let go of the outcome. I had to learn that this was not about fixing relationships necessarily. This wasn't about getting an amends in return. That's what I wanted a lot of times. This wasn't about anything but taking ownership of what I had done and apologizing and trying to make amends. And and that I had to let go of the outcome. I also had to let go of the guilt that I was holding on for every single thing that was on my list. I was holding on to so much guilt and so much shame over these things. And in working this step, I had to learn to let go of that guilt and that shame. I had to be willing to let go of so many things in order to make these amends. It was hard. It was really hard. But I really, with the help of my higher power, have learned to let a lot of those things go and to turn those outcomes, that shame, that guilt over to my higher power. So that second principle was letting go. The third principle, the final principle I learned about in working step eight was the principle of forgiveness. There are some of these letters I didn't want to write. In fact, there were some of the letters that I kind of refused to write at first. And this is where I learned what the essay book calls step eight and a half, which is forgiveness. I had to be willing to forgive. Some of these people had caused a lot of harm to me, a lot of harm. Yet, I was the one making the amends. I wanted them to make amends too. Even though that didn't happen at all, (laughs) I had to learn to forgive. I had to be willing to forgive. I also had to forgive myself as part of this process. I was on my own harm's done list. I had to forgive. 
wasn't easy. It wasn't easy to make amends, to take ownership for the things that I had done, to let it go, and then to forgive some of these people on my list. But in doing this process, in writing these letters, in preparing, in doing the dry run, I learned these three principles in my life. Ownership, letting go, and forgiveness. And these three principles have been lifesavers and life changers for me. Because it allowed me to have more self-compassion. It allowed me to have greater empathy, not only for me, but for other people who have done wrong. As I reflected on how guilty I felt, I realized that most people also feel that level of guilt for the wrong things that they have done. And in that way, I became more relational. I learned to relate better to other people. I learned to relate better to how they feel. And I learned gained greater empathy. And I gained a lot of self-compassion in working this step. These three principles, ownership, letting go, and forgiveness, were not obvious to me from the very beginning. I didn't read the step and think, oh, on this step, I'm going to learn about ownership, or I'm going to learn about letting go, or I'm going to learn about forgiveness. No, that's not how it started. They came only through the process of working this step as I diligently worked and wrote my letters. And that is why I wanted to talk about working this step first. For the next three episodes of this series on step eight, we will study each of these topics on their own. Ownership, letting go, and forgiveness. And we'll learn how they apply to step eight and how they apply to our lives in recovery. I'm excited to take you on this little journey with me through step eight. As always, ladies, though, I hope you remember that no matter what is going on in your life, No matter how far you think you've gone, no matter how you feel in this very moment, you are worth recovery. 100% worth it. I know that. Keep up the fight. Don't forget, you can support Worth Recovery by being a Worth Warrior. If this podcast has helped you even just a little bit, if you think it's worth 50 cents, get online and join the movement. All the details are on the website, worthrecovery.com. Ladies, I think about you, I pray for you, and I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.